Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Have you ever put together a 510k submission? If you have, you know how frustrating and challenging that can be. It's not so much about putting the information into the 510k. The frustration usually comes in the formatting and the pagination and putting the right sections in place and then making sure you've got your e-copy all figured out and and all those sorts of things that, that are so important. Did you know that nearly a third of 510ks are rejected because of things that are 100% in your control. Crazy, I know. Imagine having a cloud-based software solution to help you not only compile the content of your 510k submission, but click a button and it's already formatted and it's ready to submit. That's crazy, right? Well, it's reality. There's a company that's out there, Right Submission, that has built this product for you. And I get a chance to talk to the founder of that company, Juan Carlos Cerna, on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. And we dive into next generation tactics for 510k submissions. So enjoy this. And I'm really excited about this. And I hope you are too. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.guru. And welcome to another exciting episode. Today, I'm really excited about this one, folks, because I learned about this company called Write Submission recently, and it's Write, R-I-G-H-T, Submission, and you can go to their website, writesubmission.com. I, I learned about them recently, and I had a chance to talk to our guest today, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. <laughs> and I mean this with all sincerity, because... It has to do with putting together 510Ks. Their, their product is really revolutionary. And, and Juan Carlos Cerna, the, the founder of, of Right Submission, is going to tell us a lot more about their product and 510Ks and all that here in a moment. But we're going to dive into this topic. And the topic is next generation tactics for 510K submissions. So let me do a proper welcome to Juan Carlos Cerna from Right Submission. Juan Carlos, welcome. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for having me. Your podcasts are a great service to the medical device community, and I'm really honored to be here with you today. Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, this, I've put together a lot of 510Ks in my career, and um, I probably did it uh, um, the terrible way, the old, the old way, so to speak, uh, old generation, OG, whatever. But, you know, you've got a, you've got a product that's pretty, pretty revolutionary. And, and I guess, It'd probably be a good place to start if you can talk a little bit about why 510K submissions have been so tr- challenging for, for organizations. And you know, why, what, is, what is going on here? What is, what is the frustration? What is the challenge for companies? Sure. There's probably you know, at least three reasons we can talk about today. Um, one is 510Ks are really high stakes milestones for companies. For a startup, um, They've got limited funds, and their valuation and strategic options are absolutely dependent on the, the submission going well. For larger companies, the 510K clearances are always critical milestones in their in their project plans, and it gets the C-level attention and scrutiny. Uh, the second reason why I think 510Ks are so challenging 
is that the average person actually does one to two submissions in their lifetime. That means there isn't a well-defined process or documented knowledge base to, to help companies and individuals uh, through the 510K submission process. And then I'd say the third reason is that 510Ks are getting more and more complex every year. They're, they're starting to look a lot like PMAs in, in some regards, and it requires a multidisciplinary team to, to execute. These teams are often not in the same physical location. They're not using the same file sharing system, and they're, they're often blinded to other sections of the 510K submission. So I, I would kind of peg those three reasons as probably the three biggest reasons yeah. for uh, the challenges. Yeah, and and it's a really good point, you know, and and it's not like you, the general person isn't. It's not like they're doing a five ten k submission every day or even every month for that matter. I mean, these are usually moments in time that you're compiling, you know, massive amount of information and trying to get it structured and organized in a certain way. And I know the the, the times that I've done a five ten k, it's not that I have to go back and and kind of learn all over again, but I have to go back and like wait. What, do, what does this section include and how do I need to structure this information? And hey, did, the, did by chance did FDA change something about the formatting or what I need to do as part of that 510K? And I'm sure that, that um, that's something that you've seen as well. That's absolutely true. There, there's some, even for, for veterans like you and myself, there's a lot of uncertainty yeah. when we put together a 510K. Absolutely. And, and so... I'm guessing that you kind of observed over time some of, uh, we'll call them old tactics, uh, since we're going to talk about next generation tactics, but what are some of the old tactics that you've seen people involved in the 510K process and, and using, what are they doing to address these types of problems? So let me let me tell you a little story. Like I'm sure you guys do at, at Greenlight Guru, we we spend a we close we spend a fair amount of time looking at what people are searching for on on Google to to kind of get some intelligence on on what people are up to, and you'd be you wouldn't be shocked by how many people are searching things like how to write a 510k or 510k oh, yeah. guidance. Yeah. Um, and that that later search, the 510k guidance. If you do that search on FDA's guidance website. You're going to get 187 different guidance documents as of the last time I checked. Holy cow. And, you know, you nor I nor anybody else listening to this podcast has the time to keep up to date with 187 guidance documents. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, and then, people, you know, obviously people use consultants, and, but it's a challenge to match your particular needs and budget to their expertise and availability. The good consultants are in really high demand and, and they might not know exactly your product need. And so most of the time, companies come to the realization that they could do a lot of, they can and should do a lot of the work themselves and then have a consultant for some of the key critical yeah. sections. Yeah. Um, so you, you put all these, all these factors into a bucket and you steer it and you get a lot of noise and uncertainty in the, in the, in the process that's 100% avoidable if we as an industry take the time to, to really reevaluate the way we work and, and make some changes. Yeah, it's a really valid point that you share. And, and I have heard this statistic, and I hope that my memory of the statistic is, is accurate, but it's something like 69% of 510K submissions uh, are rejected at some point in that process. 
which, you know, that's a large, large number. I mean, whether it's 69% or, or 72 or whatever the case may be, that it's pretty clear today that, that the quality of 510k submissions seems to be waning a bit. And, and, I, and I'm sure that you've, you're very cognizant of that. So, you know, sure. I, I guess, do you have any thoughts or, or comments on how we as a med device industry are doing with respect to the quality of our 510k submissions? Yeah, that's a good question, John. So FDA releases a report every year, um, and we actually also have some kind of proprietary databases that we've assembled. And the number we have for submissions that are rejected purely on administrative review, this is the RTA refused to accept process of FDA, is 34%. Wow. And these are 100% avoidable mistakes. These are things like the pages, the pages aren't numbered. We don't right. have complete sections on sterility or the, incons- uh, the indications for use are inconsistent. So it doesn't take that many, you know, if you, if you do the math of, com- of companies, company delay times burn, it's really easy to get to unicorn sized numbers of the value that we're throwing out the window because we insist on doing things the old fashioned way. Yeah, and I want to kind of dive into that statistic a little bit more. I want to re emphasize to folks listening. A hundred submissions, five ten k submissions. Juan Carlos has data that supports thirty four percent. So thirty four out of those one hundred five ten k submissions are rejected because of things that are one hundred percent in your control as the submitter. That is pretty massive, and and so more or less a third of five ten k submissions are being rejected because of, frankly, human error or, or things that we can do something about. Sure. And as you know from all your design history work, human error is avoidable. It's use error, it's process error more than the individual making a mistake. Yeah. And, and so now I'm, I'm really starting to, to understand even more so uh, you know, why I was so excited when I first discovered right submission and learned about what you're doing. I mean, the data doesn't lie here in this case. Uh, there's, there's a huge need for this. But let's talk a little bit about what you see as some of those uh, next generation tactics. You know, what are some things yeah. that, that you've observed that really needed to be changed? Yeah, so you know, I like to think in a uh, in series of threes, John, as, as you know. So I, um, I think there's probably three things that companies, especially in the healthcare industry, need to do to kind of evolve the way they do work, whether it's with regulatory submissions, 510Ks, other aspects of, of uh, regulated industry. And, and I would peg them at these three things. Uh, we need to adopt to a changing workforce. Um, highly experienced individuals yeah. and, and the bright millennials don't want to be stuck inside a cube with 96. And they, they're willing to work hard and they want to collaborate with their teams, but they want the flexibility to get that work done on their terms. So just like Greenlight Guru, our software and some other software solutions out there facilitate work done in an asynchronous fashion across time zones and across countries. So yeah. kind of adopting to that workforce need is, is probably one of the primary things you can do to, to change the way you work. Um, the the second one is, is visibility and transparency. I, there, in, there's a the reason things like Scrum methodology is, is so popular these days is because it provides visibility to things that used to be kind of hidden in, in the back offices of, of executives, whether it's it's your software or our software or so other or other tools people use. 
everybody from the CEO to the intern should be able to get an instant status update as to the process, understand the big picture. And if the CEO wants an update, she should be able to log in and, and get an instant update regardless of, of who's, um, who's working on the project. So that would be the visibility bucket. And then uh-huh. the third one is automation. Um, automation, in my opinion, isn't just for Uber and, and Tesla to figure out. It's for all of us to think, <laughs> you know, the way we, how, you know, what, what, what is it about my job um, and my workflow that I can automate? Because in three or five years, um, we're all going to be looking at a very different workflow in, in regardless of what we do and, and thinking of it, embracing automation and, and building it into our workflows is going to be critical to any company. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, I like all those points and, you know, I, I love the point about the visibility element of that because, you know, it's crazy to me and this is, I don't have the exact percentage, but it's still an overwhelming uh, percent of the medical device industry is still heavily reliant on like paper-based and very archaic-based approaches with document management and information sharing and things of that nature. And, you know, that's one of the biggest areas from a Greenlight.guru perspective that we found is that companies are really, I think time is good. I think companies are finally hungry or realizing the importance of of having data and information readily available wherever they are in the world. And, and, and that's where your product, Right Submission, is, I'm sure has is, is made a lot of, of uh, opened up a lot of opportunities. And I know that's where Greenlight.guru has opened up a lot of opportunities as well, because it's actually, these are actually solutions that have been built and designed specifically for the medical device industry based on the, the needs of medical device professionals. And, and so that's a key thing. I mean, knowledge is power. And, and one of the key things to, to having that knowledge is having good information. And you know, historically, systems that have been used by medical device companies uh, have not been an enabler. They've actually been a disabler. So yeah, I'm, I'm certainly wrapped around that concept very well. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. All right. So, you know, given all these, you know, this, these kind of these, these different next generation tactics, you know, there's these three key salient points for, for that you've observed and that you see as, as kind of drivers, you, I guess, talk to me a little bit about, about what was the trigger? What was the motivation? What, what, um, what led you down that path to say, aha, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. <laughs> You know, John, if you spend enough nights and weekends at the office doing things the old fashioned way, <laughs> eventually that light bulb is going to fall on your head. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I know I asked your question, but let me interject a story on that. On that uh, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Uh, and, and, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. But um, I was doing a, putting together a 510K submission for a company a few years back. And it was a startup company and, and I was doing a lot of things for them, uh, quality system, regulatory and that sort of thing. But we had, um, we had a, a company goal objective to uh, submit our 510K before the end of the year. And literally, I, I kid you not, on December the 31st at about 6 p.m., uh, I was at the, the, um, the, the FedEx Kinko's office. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, there. I think the the people were so gracious; they stayed a little bit later than than they were scheduled. But I was there making all the copies and getting all the pagination and all the sorting and all that organization squared away, and uh, getting it ready to ship. You know, we met the goal, but after I got it all organized at the the FedEx Kinkos, I had they were. No more, no more uh, drop-offs that night, or no more pickups for shipments that night. I had to drive uh, about you know, 15 miles to the to a little bit of kind of a mini hub, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, to get the the shipment out before the end of the year. So uh, I'm sure you're talking about the light bulb falling on your head. I'm, I'm sure you've got yep. stories like that as well. And John, you and, and I do, and I think most people who have done more than two 510k submissions have stories like that that span over the last 15, 20 years. The, the, the fundamental workflow hasn't changed in that amount of time. Um, and that's why we, we started Write Submission. We, we knew that we could um, improve the way medical device technologies get cleared by creating software to, to, to facilitate that. Yeah, so, I mean... <sighs> I'm sure you know. The, you talk about that light bulb falling on your head. I, I mean, what was the, what was Because I, I know for me with Greenlight.gru, when when we started that, I mean, I the idea was um, sometimes I don't like to share this with folks because it's like, why didn't I do something about it sooner? But <laughs> but the idea was stuck in my head for quite some time, and before we actually turned turned it into a company. And I suspect you probably have a similar sort of story. Sure. I think every every time you work on a 510k submission and you, you kind of scratch yourself and say, oh, next time I'm going to do something to, <laughs> to, to make this faster and better. I'm going to write a template. I'm going to write some macros in, in, in Word, whatever it is. Um, and then truth is, you never get around to doing that because the next submission is right on, on the heels. Yeah. Um, so it's an accumulation of, of those pain points. And I think one thing that it's worth pointing out is that both of our softwares were developed, conceived and developed by people actually experiencing the pain points. Right. Yes. I think that differentiates us from some of the other um, solutions out there that have historically been around, but maybe have not gotten the adoption because they were developed by software companies trying to, trying to fill a need in the medical device industry. Whereas our software were developed by software, by medical yep. device individuals using software tools available at, at the time. Yeah, um, re- really good point. For medical device professionals developed by medical device professionals. Absolutely, good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, when we, when we conceived our, our first, um, you know, we're work, you know to, we are working on other products outside the, the 510K, but when we, when we developed the 510K software, um, we had some, some kind of specific pain points that we wanted to address. We wanted to make sure that people from around the world and different even cultures and languages as as their as their, you know, if, even if English wasn't their primary language, could could contribute in real time to to writing the submission. Right. Um, so that collaboration aspect of it, we wanted to make sure it was hundred percent visibility. We we think sunshine is more than just a disinfectant. It's an accelerator. Yeah. Um, and when people know that there's a log of all your activity you, you're going to make sure you you you, you prioritize this 510k appropriately in your work stream, and the, the third um, aspect is we we automate a lot of the process. We automate that. that truthfully, none of us like doing. None of us like hyperlinking PDF documents or creating <laughs> tables of contents. No. Or 
or making sure that the, the tables are numbered sequentially and all those mind-numbing tasks are, are fully automated in our software so that we can spend our time doing the things that we enjoy, which is writing and, and thinking about the strategy behind the 510k submission. Yeah, and, and I not just enjoy, but actually, you know, I always hated as an engineer, I, I felt like a paper jockey sometimes. I just got to, I, I felt like I had to push the pile of paper uh, from, from one location to the next. And sometimes putting together a 510k can definitely feel like that. And it's like, I'm a smart person. I have a great <laughs> mind and, and I'm not using it to, to any adv- real advantage here. I'm just uh, figuring out how to put page numbers on a document in the right order. And I was like, that's crazy. And I, I'm guessing you've got, th- that's sort of what you're talking about here, right? That's exactly right. And as you know, I used to be uh, a consultant before, before I started writing submission. And uh, truthfully, I, I felt guilty about the amount of time and money that clients were paying me to to you know hit search and replace on on fourteen different documents because yeah. they they change their mind about something yeah um, so. yeah so I guess let's get on with it let's tell us all about I mean in a few minutes anyway and and folks I, uh, Juan Carlos is going to give us a little bit of an overview of of what right submission is. And a little bit of, of, I guess, a taste as, as much as you can from, from an audio uh, presentation, what Write Submission is all about. And certainly uh, encourage you all to go to Write Submission. Again, that's R-I-G-H-T-Submission.com. And you can request demos and learn more information from, from their website as well. But tell us a little bit about what the Write Submission product is. Sure. So, you know, just a high level, our, our kind of our mission in life is to, to bring life-changing technologies to the market via smarter and faster regulatory submissions, right? So we, we looked at the market and we realized that 510k submissions are, are probably the, uh, the, the most need, the most in need of, of a software solution. So we started there. And our software solutions, you know, you can look at it on our website. We have some demos um, available. And you log on. You get a username, you assign a product uh, project, and you have the list of 20-some-odd nodes of different sections that need to be uh, populated. Each section, we bring in all the FDA resources that are applicable to that section to you. If there's databases that, need to be, that you need to interact with, like the product database or right. the product codes or the, the 510K predicates, we bring those into the software so wow. you don't have to be distracted or, or navigate away from that. Um, and we also have a concept of answer once and only once. So for the most part, for example, your indications for use statement, you enter it once and the software automatically pushes it to all the different sections that it's required. That way you're, you're guaranteed to have consistent uh, indication for use statement, which is, by the way, the fifth leading reason why <laughs> that 34% number exists. I mean, that's um, crazy to think about. I mean, but it's true. I mean, that, that indication for use... It finds its way, and I forget the count off the top of my head. You probably know exactly, but it's at least in five different places in a 510K. And the the standard, the old tactic that people are using is you do a copy-paste, but... And sometimes, you know, if it kind of paint a picture a little bit more about this, the, the kind of the old way of doing this is you kind of... Sometimes you divide and conquer, you'll split a 510K up. But there's this point where somebody says, you know, we really need to change that indication for use. And it gets changed in one section, but it doesn't always find its way in those other four or five, six places where it's located. So what you're saying is within right submission product, you enter that that data element one time and it puts it everywhere where it needs to. 
That's, that's exactly right. Uh, another aspect is that it, it out, the, the end product is a PDF that's ready to go right to FDA. It's, it's named according to the naming convention. It, it passes the FDA electronic doc, uh, submission screening process. Um, and you don't have to do, you know, it used to take maybe a week, maybe two weeks for a publishing group, if you had one, if you're lucky to have one, or for the DYI, a couple of nights to sit yeah. there and, and make sure everything was working. Oh, yeah. That, that now you hit export, and it takes maybe two minutes to, to compile all the different sections in, into one PDF. That's ready to go. Um, that's amazing. I mean, and, and that, that goes back to my uh, December 31st story from a few years back. <laughs> I mean, I, I was literally there all the entire day and that that was like the 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 last step i mean it didn't it did not count all the the time that i spent formatting and getting everything's ready prior to that i mean so just the i'm not even talking about the content of a 510k i mean that there's work that's involved there but that's where i got to use my brain i'm talking about just the formatting stuff i mean that takes so much time i mean it 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 definitely could take 20, 30, 40 hours, sometimes more just to get all the formatting right. And so what I'm hearing you say is right submission does that automatically. It sure does. And um, there, you know, a, a, a tip, a free tip for, for the listeners. FDA is now unofficially, but practically speaking, not requiring paper submissions of 15K. You have to wordsmith your cover letter. If you email me, I'll, I'm happy to provide anyone the, the, the language that, that you should put in your cover letter. Um, but nowadays, you can submit your cover letter, your cover sheet, and um, the CD, and you're done. So Kinko's, um, you only have to go to Kinko's to, to burn the CD if you don't have a burner. <laughs> um, and, and folks, that's a big deal too, because historically... Uh, putting together a 510k, you you send them the big giant pile of paper in addition to the e-copying. So knowing that there's an, a way to, to uh, eliminate the need for that paper version, that's huge. I mean, not only are you saving time, but you know if you, if you care about the environment, you, you're not printing out all that paper. So that's pretty awesome too. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and ultimately, our, our clients are, are happy. I think our, our best... Um, our best example is we we did a submission we alongside with the with the company in ten days from start to finish, um, and and went right through the RTA process, no issues. They got cleared in fifty four days. Wow! Um, and that just it would not have been possible without the software. No, no, not at all. And you know, I, I had a chance to talk to Juan Carlos uh, prior to today's conversation, and one of the things that you should know about their approach uh, with Right Submission is they. They've been, I think, partners or at least um, um, collaborators with FDA specifically on their product and their process. And uh, I don't know if you can speak uh, at all to the reaction from, from the few folks that you've interacted with from the FDA or not. But, but if you can share sure. that, that'd be really great to hear too. Yeah. Um, to be clear, you know, FDA cannot pick um, winners and losers, but we have interacted with FDA. We, we showed them an early version of our product to the device division, and there's probably about six or seven people um, down in um, at the FDA office. And they were extremely enthusiastic and, and encouraging um, with us. They, they, they feel the pain. Imagine if you're a reviewer and you get 34% of the submissions you get are administratively incomplete that you can't even start your review. That's right. extremely frustrating um, and a loss of, 
of good resources, the, the more consistent and well-written submissions are, the easier it is for them to review and, and quickly get to a determination. And obviously, it doesn't mean they're going to clear it just because right. it's formatted correctly, but at least they can give you an answer and feedback that much sooner. Right. Um, They've also we've also done some some work with Mathematic and FDA where they have shown us their smart review template, which is the software that FDA uses internally to 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 review the 510K. So they have a 510K on one screen at the PDF document, and then they have their software on the on the other screen. So we're working through understanding that workflow to make it even easier so that our oh. output directly matches their their reviewer template. Very cool. Well, Juan, Juan Carlos, anything else that you, that you think is worth sharing with our audience on next generation tactics before we wrap up today's conversation? I, I think in closing, I would just encourage the listeners to it could be daunting. It could be daunting to to kind of change the whole culture of, of your organization or old habits. But if you if you just kind of start with a few things at a time, um, you look back at the end of the year, you, you're gonna wonder, geez, how how why did we do that so archaically for so long? Yeah, that's a that's such a great point. And you know, right submission is is here, and Greenlight Guru are here for. For we're, well, ultimately, we're trying to improve the quality of life. We're trying to help get products to market faster. And the other ways that both Right Submission and Greenlight.Guru improves the quality of life is to streamline workflows and improve efficiencies within uh, medical device companies. Uh, you know, let's get you back to using your big old brain to be engineers or regulatory professionals rather than those paper jockeys that are trying to format and push paper from, from one location to the next. If you want to learn more about Right Submission, I encourage you uh, to go to rightsubmission.com. There's some videos there. There's some uh, additional content that you can check out. It's, it's really a great site. And, and of course, there's an opportunity to learn more uh, about how Right Submission can work. And if you want to learn how uh, to improve your design control process and your risk management process and your quality management system, I would also encourage you to go over to www.greenlight.guru and learn more information there. And if, and if you like what you see in either case, uh, there's an opportunity to request a demo. There's an opportunity to to request more information and, and learn more about how both Right Submission and Greenlight.Guru are here to help you get your product to market faster with less risk. So I want to thank my guest today, Juan Carlos Cerna from Right Submission. And this is John Spear, your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.Guru. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. <laughs>